This is the This is the This is the Brain This is the Brain Language This is the Brain Language Podcast. This is the Brain Language Podcast. This is the Brain Language Podcast. Welcome to the Brain Language Podcast, where we discuss NLP concepts to help you in your business and your life. My name is Alex Toline. And I'm Susan Stageman. And this is episode number 48, part two of why don't I do the things I say I want to do? It's a good subject. Yes, it is. And it <laughs> seems to be very popular. <laughs> Everybody's doing it. Everybody or, 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 not, or not doing it. <laughs> right. Everybody's doing it or not doing it. Not everybody. But of course, it seems to be a very popular topic, Alex. It keeps coming up over and over again. And oftentimes it's with people who are entrepreneurial or they're just starting out as an entrepreneur. They're wanting to do a business or starting a business where they have to make phone calls and contact people and they just aren't in that venue. They just don't have that kind of thinking process to be able to just do it. And so in the first episode, we talked about things that stop us, like uh, modal operators, operating modes, the must, the have to, the shoulds, the want, and whether those modal operators actually fit what motivates you. We also talked about submodality maps. This focus is about triggers, which of course are submodality maps. But, you know, sometimes people don't know how to do what they do or they're missing information or they have lateral or mismatched criteria, their values don't align or they're confused with goals or tasks. So I thought we could follow up today with some other ideas. And these are less, I think, NLP-ish in a way, but still a lot of people fight this idea of, I know I need to get my taxes in. I know I need to make so many phone calls a day. What stops me? I know how to make phone calls. Why don't I make those phone calls? So I thought we would continue adding to that list and also talk about triggers and how we get triggered into certain behaviors just by seeing or hearing or or feeling something. And that maybe by changing those triggers, you have a higher probability of doing what you want to do. That sounds like a good plan. Good. All right. So you want to start with triggers? Yes. Let's just start with triggers and we'll start with triggers and end with triggers. How's that? And we'll sandwich something else in between. (laughs) This is a sandwich (laughs) podcast. If you get uh, triggered, we're going to have uh, the uh, part of the solution or antidote in this, right? That is correct. Okay. Perfect. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll start with it and then we'll end with the solution. So, you know, what are triggers? Anchors, you know, in NLP, we call them anchors. In other psychological venues, they call them triggers. And those are things that we see and we hear and we feel that trigger us into certain behaviors or feelings. You know, we'll see our pets or a cat or a dog, and we we get really warm feelings, you know, cuddly feelings. In fact, my husband and I were having lunch today at a local burger place, which we love. We don't normally do this, folks, but I had an appointment this morning that he went with me, so we had lunch afterwards. But on the patio, someone had brought their little puppy, and of course, 
we love dogs. And so <laughs> all of our attention was on the puppy. And my husband, of course, wants to feed it. That's his main thing <laughs> is to feed any animal that comes along. And I, of course, stopped him from giving him this young little thing of French fry. I said, you know, some owners don't really appreciate that. <laughs> so anyway, but, you know, having just, oh, isn't that cute, that little puppy scenario. Yeah. Or we see a picture of our loved uh, loved one's face or our kids or you know, it can be both ways. It can be very positive feelings, but it can be very negative feelings like that cop sitting by the side of the road. You know, do you ever stop the adrenaline rush, get your foot off the accelerator and onto the brake? And you may even not, you may even be going the speed limit or less. And yet we're so that stimulus response, there's no gap time there. It just automatically happens. And feelings, like we'll feel something, we feel a real soft fabric, or we pet the fur of our animal, or feeling the silky feel of a child's hair, you know, something like that, or sandpaper, having someone pat us on the back, or a handshake, all those are feelings. And of course, then those, there are things that we hear, and the things like a song, our song or a song that takes us back to another time and place in our life or an advertising jingle. We remember that certain someone or a certain time in our life or a product. That's one of the reasons that advertisers use auditory sounds and, and music to almost cement information into our brain. Crane whistles, boat horns, ocean waves. We hear these things, and without thinking, we just get transported back to memories that in which those triggers or anchors appeared. Yeah, you're right. Advertisers are pretty good at that. Yes, they are. In fact, I think it's interesting. There's sometimes there's some cute ads. I know some people don't even watch ads anymore because they they just stream everything. Although I will say this that some free streaming services have ads, right? And yeah. usually at the most inopportune times. But there's this one ad right now. I believe it's uh well, I know it's AT&T, isn't that interesting? And they're advertising their you know, 5G bandwidth so that you get fast download speeds, right? And it's Elijah Wood who played Frodo in The Lord of the Rings. And yeah. he's, do, do you, you remember this? And yeah, I know this one, yeah. Yeah, this guy who had his ears done and everything, but he has slow internet speed. Slow internet speed. And so he's all excited. And Elijah Wood says, Precious Baggins 25. And of course, his internet dies and <laughs> he can't say what he wants to say. But at the end, I noticed they were playing one of the theme songs from Fellowship of the Ring. And even my husband heard it and recognized it. And he, he's only seen those movies once. Of course, I've seen them dozens of times. But hearing that doesn't, of course, remind me of AT&T, but it does remind me of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so... Advertising does use a lot of auditory anchors or triggers to help us remember. Yeah. And you product. do remember AT&T. Yes. So yeah, it, isn't that it interesting? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very remarkable how they, they're able to do that. 
So we have a lot of what Pavlov called stimulus response experiences where our internal state just changes as a result of having that particular stimulus. These are randomly assigned. They are automatic. You can't think your way out of them. So that's one reason that we get anchored or we have triggers in our environment that, and sometimes they're in our head, that propel us or motivate us into other, shift our focus into other situations or other behaviors or turn our attention to something when we really don't want to. So when I talk about triggers or anchors, that's what I'm talking about. Right. And so when you think about what are things that stop you from from doing what you want to do, part of that is this response idea, right? That's exactly it. I have an example here that uh, I like to meditate in the morning right when I wake up because I'm already in that, you know, that lower brain frequency. It's really easy for me to do the deep breathing and settle into it. Once my mind gets really active, then it's harder for me to step aside and and do what I have to do uh, and meditate. Well, since, you know, the advent of the phone, I've noticed that, you know, sometimes I just have this, this yearning, this, this pull to check my phone, check my text, check my email, right, Mm -hmm. right in the beginning. Once that happens, then I'm on my phone. And then I get meditation time kind of evaporate. And one of the things that I realized that it wasn't so much the just the seeing the phone, because I don't see my phone in the morning, but I have a picture of it inside my head. And it's right in front of me. So what I've started doing is when that phone pops into my head, because that's how we get our ideas. That's how we get thoughts, right? (laughs) Thoughts are made up of picture sounds and feelings or combinations of, and I just push that phone away, make it really dark and far away so that I can concentrate on meditating. And I've created some, I see myself meditating and being relaxed and doing deep breathing that the deep breathing will help put me into that meditative experience or state. And that's just a kinesthetic anchor, basically. So that's one thing. And I'm going to, at the end of our program, we'll talk about how to do the swish, the basic swish. And that helps you get rid of those triggers and helps a person create the behaviors that they want to do by using triggers that are for those behaviors. Right. But part of it is is some sort of fear associated with the trigger, right? Sometimes it can be. And I deal with this a lot because I work with entrepreneurs and salespeople and either their company or for some reason in their business, they have to make so many calls a day. They will buy lists of people that might possibly need their service and then they don't make the calls or they'll make 10 when their goal is to make 15. And that's another issue we'll talk about later. You know, they say my goal is 15, but they do 10. Well, your goal was 10 then. It wasn't 15. (laughs) If it was a goal and you were serious and motivated about it and committed, you would have done 15. But fear is a big thing. So we see the phone, we see our phone laying there, we see the list 
and we start to run the program of making the call and we get afraid. We, we become afraid. We access fear. And generally speaking, it's a general feeling. You know, a lot of times people don't even know what they're afraid of. You know, are they afraid that somebody's going to say no to them? That's not that big a deal. Really? I mean, so <laughs> what? People have no problem saying nasty things on social media to total strangers, but for some reason, they feel bad if a sto- total stranger tells them no. I That doesn't make sense to me, but, you know, a lot of things don't make sense to me anymore. Uh, but that's, <laughs> that's one thing. You know, what is it a person's specifically afraid of? Are they afraid that, you know, some sometimes people will say, I'm afraid I'll fail. Well, you already are failing if you're not doing it. Not doing it is failing. Are you afraid that they'll actually say yes? We have this comfort zone that we operate in and, you know, God forbid we get out of it. <laughs> and having too much business or too little is out of our comfort zone. We define ourselves through our comfort zone. I'm going to talk about that later, about me and not me, and how we have to redefine ourselves as not me in order to do what it is that we want to do. But one of the things that I like people to consider is what are you really afraid of? Are you afraid of dying? I mean, (laughs) if if nobody loses their life, this is not a serious thing. So just, you know, doing it. I think there was a book one time, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, right? So, I mean, everybody, I think, starts out when you don't know what you're doing with that adrenaline rush. Sometimes people can misinterpret that as fear. Well, the other thing that keeps us from getting what we want is commitment. Right. Commitment can help us overcome a lot of fear. But here's the thing. The payoff has to be payoff outcome, goal, whatever it is of you achieving that, that payoff for success has to be greater than the pain to get it. Otherwise, a person won't do it. So then we get into beliefs, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But I think it's because people aren't really committed. They're kind of committed. It goes back to that, oh, I have on my sheet here to call 15 people, and I only make 10. What stopped or prevented you from making that other five? Did you think 10 was enough? Did you completely break down and you know have to have a glass of wine or something? You know, I I don't know, but it just seems to me if you have a goal of 15 calls, you make the 15 calls. You don't stop until you make that number 15. If you do any less than that, I call that lack of commitment. You're not really committed to what you say you're committed to, or you'd go ahead and do that. Sure. All right. I'm getting on to the next one. Okay, good. Lazy, irresponsible, or want someone else to do it. You know what, Alex? I just have to bring this up. Some people are, you know, they're lazy. Lazy isn't always a bad thing, but when you just don't want to do something, when you just, oh, I don't have the energy, or they want somebody else to do it for them, which, you know, sometimes that happens, um, or they're just irresponsible. They've said to themselves, you know, responsibility isn't just about what you promise other people. It's what you promise yourself. Are you out of integrity with yourself because you said you were going to do this and then you don't do it or you only do it halfway? Yeah, you have to ask yourself, you know, what do you need to get yourself going and, and what really motivates you too, right? Exactly. That's why I say that it's got to be something that 
wow, the payoff or the goal is so appealing to you that you have such a strong commitment that you'll go for it regardless. And you'll take the responsibility to do it, won't leave it to someone else. I'm a solopreneur. And, you know, over the years, I have had people work for me off and on, but I've always felt responsible for my own clients and their experience that they have with me. And so, I don't have somebody else call them. I call them myself. You know, why would I put that off on somebody else? They're the most important part of my life. As far as my business is concerned, why would I not give them the time and attention? So, I don't know. Sometimes I think, especially I keep going back to calling because I think that that's one of the major stumbling blocks to people being successful in certain venues anyway, and they don't do it. So I think to myself, well, what was really important about that in the beginning that they set out to do it and they said they were going to do it and then they didn't do it. I find that very curious. So understanding what do you need to get yourself going or what motivates you? Because even lazy people do things, right? (laughs) They do things. So what motivates them to do the things that they're doing and not doing the things that they said they wanted to do? Yeah. And this brings us to kind of number four on this list, which is your belief. Right. Do you believe that you're not worthy or you can't do it? Don't deserve it? Does all those things go into what what does your belief system say about you? Right. We've talked about beliefs before, and we probably ought to revisit some belief information. In order to do something, especially if you haven't done it before, or something that really challenges your skill level, You have to believe, number one, it's possible. It's possible in the world and it's possible for you. You have to believe that you're capable or that you're capable of learning how to do it. You know, if you've never done it before, then you have to believe that you can develop the skills. You can learn the skills. If you don't, then you're not going to take the time and effort to learn the skills. Then you have to believe that you deserve it. And I think sometimes people miss this one because, oh, sure, I deserve it. Well, okay. So if you think it's possible and it's possible for you and you're capable and you're capable of learning it and you think it's worthwhile, what else is left? So sometimes that deserve level can kind of reach up and kind of hit us beside the head because... I don't think sometimes people really understand how powerful that can be. So if any of those beliefs are not present, you may find yourself avoiding doing the behaviors. And then then other things come into play. The fear will come into play. Or we get triggered into doing pleasing behaviors. What did my friend Steve Strauss say one time? He said, successful people are motivated by pleasing results. Unsuccessful people, everybody else, is motivated by pleasing methods. I think that's what he said. But there's a lot to be said about that because with highly successful people, it's about the result. You know, if you're not getting the result, then you need to change what you're doing. You need to look at your commitment. You need to look at your skill level, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that You know, as long as some people are happy in doing what they're doing, regardless of the results, 
then they're not going to get the results. Yeah, it's one of the things one of the things I love about NLP is the presupposition that if somebody has done it, then that's a skill. It's a skill that you can acquire and replicate. Right, exactly. Um, that and, I, you know, yeah. And that, you know, whether you take something small to build on or take on a, a larger challenge, being able to bring those resources in is 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 extremely helpful. Yeah. I I love that point, Alex. And the other thing that triggers me into thinking something is that people, when they want to do a behavior, they tend to think of some behaviors as an event, that making calls today is an event. And so every day, it's got to be a new event. So there's no connection. They're not thinking of the overall business and overall outcome of what all of those calls are going to bring them. They're just thinking about making the calls or in a lot of cases, not making the calls, not doing the behavior. They're focused on not doing something. And they spend so much time focusing on not doing, they don't do it. Yeah. Instead of focusing on the long-term effect of what making calls on a consistent basis are going to give you. You know, we, we talked about this in, when we talked about meta programs, all money in business is made through procedure. It must be a, a through-time process. If it's not a through-time process, you know, then every day is a new day. Wow. If I, that, that's scary. You think about it in other venues in our life. Exercise. You know, yeah. is every day a new day or is exercise an ongoing process? I, I, I guess it's an ongoing process. It's, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> absolutely. Well, okay. So that's, you that's, have you have two little minions, right? Yes. All right. Now I know that at one level, every day is a new day because when they're young, they're changing all the time. However, taking care of them is an ongoing process. You don't just you know one day you you well some people do this, but responsible parents, every day is not a new day. Every day is connected to the day behind and the day in front of because care and learning and teaching and minding a young little minion, it has to be an ongoing process. It's not yeah. an event. You just don't do it one day and then the next day you go, well, here, put <laughs> your own breakfast at you know one years old. Right. So. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, it's, we, you know, scheduled out and we do things at certain times and all that kind of stuff. So exactly. It, you know, and that kind of regulation, shall we call it, or procedure or routine is not only helpful for you, but it's very helpful for them. It establishes discipline. Guess what? Everything you do in your life, if you want to do it on a consistent basis, you have to be disciplined about it. There has to be a commitment. So it's not much different than everything else that you do in an ongoing way. But sometimes people don't think about that when they're sitting in front of a list of names and can't pick up the phone. This isn't about today. This is about your life. <laughs> and this is about your business. This is about your income. And oftentimes when you chunk it up like that, like you would raising a child, you chunk up to you know, I'm going to do all of these things for 18 plus years so that I uh, release into the world a healthy human being that can take care of themselves. No, no parent, I don't think, I'm speaking for myself, 
Uh, no parent <laughs> wants their kids, you know, to hang around, you know, at 40 years old, them, not me. And right. so that I have to take care of them then. No, we want them eventually to fly on their own. And all of what we do ahead of time is going to do that. Business is the same way. You put a lot of effort into the front end of the business, a lot of energy, so that at some point you can ease off the gas just a little bit and cruise every once in a while. But I don't think sometimes people look at it that way. Yeah, not clear, not focused, or having not a, uh, not having a clear purpose for doing something, right? right. Not a clear goal is one of those things. Um, I guess the, the next question is, do you know what level of belief actually stops you? Yes, that is so important because what is it? You know, a lot of our beliefs are so unconscious. And, you know, I, I really literally remember thinking this. When I got into NLP, you know, 35 years ago, I was really struggling to support myself. And I wanted to do this art and decorating. And I was doing all the right things, but I couldn't make myself ask for the business or take money. I made calls. It was painful. In fact, I was telling the gal that I'm going to do this program with tomorrow. I said, oh, yeah, I talk about commitment. I, I was so committed to making this work. I had a list of names in front of me that I purchased, and I would pick up the phone and call. Sometimes I wouldn't get anybody. Sometimes I talked to the homeowner and would ask if they had a few minutes for me to explain what I did and had a nice conversation. Sometimes I would set an appointment, I'd hang up the phone, and I'd cry. <laughs> That's how stressful this was for me. And yet I did it anyway. Because yeah. I knew, because I had an overall vision, uh, I had to become not me. And I wanted to talk about that. That's, I guess, the next one. I had to become not me. In other words, I defined myself with certain criteria and parameters and behaviors, and calling strangers was not one of them. So in order for me to get what I want, in order for me to make the transition into this new career, I had to become someone else. I had to become a person who would naturally call people and have no problem with it. And if you're in sales, you know people that have no problem picking up the phone. And in fact, in your business, Alex, when people are just getting started, they have yeah. to call people. And <laughs> that's, that's the job, right? Oh, my gosh. You know, that's how you build your book of business. And if you don't do that, you're not going to be able to support yourself and your family. So those are the kinds of things that I think about. If that's something that you, uh, a person can't do, then maybe they're in the wrong business. Because some businesses require that you spend a lot of time up front just calling people randomly. Sometimes, what, 150 calls a day? That's a lot of calls. <laughs> I don't think I've talked to that many people in the last three years. Right? Yeah. So that's a lot of people to talk to, to get things off the ground. But you had to do something. You said becoming not me. What do you mean by that? Yeah, becoming not me. So that's that comfort zone thing. So in the comfort zone, we're me. That's how I define myself. I'm comfortable 
doing the things that I do, saying the things that I want to say, looking the way I want to look, feeling the way I want to feel. So if I get out of my comfort zone, which means that I push myself or I challenge myself to do something that I don't normally do, then that's not me, right? (laughs) So above the line of the comfort zone and below the line of the comfort zone is not me, because this is what happens. You push yourself above the comfort zone and that's not me. This is what people don't understand. If you perform under what your expectations are for yourself, that's not me. And you will automatically adjust up. But the interesting thing is, if you do way better than that comfort zone, you'll automatically adjust down because that's not me either. So that's what I love, the beauty of NLP and all the work that a person can do in a transformational sense is that it really stretches that comfort zone and widens your choices and flexibility and choice of resources so that you have more flexibility in doing more behaviors that at one time you wouldn't have ever thought were possible. And of course, that's not me. So oftentimes a person, you know, a person will say, well, I want to do this, this, and this. And I'll say, well, then you have to do this, this, and this. And they'll say, well, that's not me. And I said, well, then you're going to have to become not me in order to do it. <laughs> so, so how, we're going to talk a little bit about the how now, but uh, you know, how do I use triggers to change my behaviors? And if I'm capable and deserve it and it's worthwhile, but I seem to be running on automatic, what do I do? Right. Okay. So here's some little things that you do. I I wanted to make this. So yes, we've talked about a lot of general things to make you aware of, of some of the stumbling blocks and obstacles that people come about. But this came up because my student slash coachee training, she has a little business, a nutrition and workout business. And she likes to work her sweet spot are young mothers who have kids at home or have just had children, you know, and they're trying the operative word to get back into some kind of shape, right? Mm -hmm. And so she works with them one-on-one or in, in small classes online to help them get back into shape. So one of the things was she said, well, if I'm going to teach other people how to do this, I need to work out every day. I need to demonstrate what I'm teaching people. So she teaches people how to prepare um, meals for families or pre-prepare, if I can say that, so that all of the parts are there. All they have to do is put them together, very much like those meal packaging companies now that send you a box to the front door and all you have to do is open it. By the way, folks, I got one of those one time. I won't mention the brand or anything, but it was so much work. Yeah, it's harder than cooking. Yeah, it is harder than cooking. And I thought, you know what? Well, it really is for the foodie. And we like good food, but we'd rather go out and have somebody else make it. We do very simple. You know, my husband's a great griller. And uh, almost all year long, everything is grilled. If it can't be grilled, (laughs) he was going to grill cod the other day and go, honey, I I don't think cod works really well on on the grill. But uh, of course, we could have put it in foil, but I actually ended up cooking it on the stove. But everything else gets grilled and vegetables get grilled and potatoes get grilled, everything. And so that's very easy for me and very easy for the cleanup. And it's good and it's not complicated. But 
getting back to where we were on these triggers, you know, in our world, think about this, Alex, Uh, I was talking about Kathy and her triggers and how she said she did a basic switch on this. And we're going to talk about this in a second. But she wanted to trigger herself into working out every day. And so she did the basic swish on the trigger that made her, that triggered her into the old behavior, which was just, you know, go make a snack or something in the, at the refrigerator. And, oh, she did it with coffee, too. She had a trigger. They have a red curing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, red. Wow. Such a submodality thing there right <laughs> and so she triggered herself because she didn't want to drink coffee either so every time she sees that keurig either in the kitchen or in her head she pushes it out of her mind and makes it small and dark and out of the way and she hasn't had any coffee for three weeks same with her clothes so what she did was she started getting ready in the morning and instead of putting on regular clothes she would put on workout clothes and what it says to her is I am going to work out today and develop a habit for that. And she's done very well with that. So this is what she used to change the triggers of the old behavior and then create new ones for the ones she wanted to do. And like, like just like that phone thing that uh, gets, you know, that phone pops up in front of my head and goes, check me, check me, instead of meditating, which my life goes so much easier when when we do that. You know, we should do something on that sometime, even though it's not really NLP, but it certainly goes hand in glove with it. Yeah, right. no, I think that's a great idea. But this is it. So this is the basic swish pattern. Right. So okay. the first thing, first thing you want to do is you choose a current behavior you'd like to change. So say for instance, snacking at the refrigerator, or you sit down to do calls and a part of you says, Hey, you want some popcorn? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's a really nice day outside. Let's go out and check that. So one of the reasons you do that is because it flashes inside your head or you're sitting at your desk and you see this beautiful outdoor, you know, and it's so the temperature is wonderful and we're in the spring now and the weather is lovely. And so we want to be outside or something will happen like it'll flash my backyard, which needs still some needs a little bit of work. I've done some work out there. But since our big deep freeze this in February, things have been a little touch and go. So I've been right. very attentive to what's what's going on in the yard. And so I feel compelled to go out there and work because I, you know, it upsets my sense of organization if it's not all perfect. Well, anyway, so that can happen. So you, that's the current behavior you'd like to change. Then a replacement behavior for the old one. So that could be making the calls. We'll just put it that way. So sure. what you do is you create a square picture of yourself. And what I mean by that is you see yourself in the square picture doing the new behavior. So that means that it's dissociated. So that means that you're watching yourself at your desk, at your phone, which in itself can be a trigger, an anchor, being at your desk making calls, not sitting in your car, not sitting out in the living room, (laughs) not sitting on the deck. It's at your desk. That's where you do work. All right. And, oh, another trigger for this. um, I'm getting off 
course, but I, I'll get back on just a second. You know, okay. one of the things, when I started working out of, side, out of my house, you see, you have to set it up like a business. I would get up in the morning. I would get dressed as if I were going to an office. And I was going to an office, but it was an office inside my home. And having that place that is set aside for business, just like having a place in your home for meditation, it strengthens the mood. Okay. So you have this square picture of yourself doing the new behavior. And when you look at it, you get good feelings. So if you look at yourself making calls and you go, yuck. Then you got to look at some, you got to look at something else. Maybe it's you're you're making calls and you're actually connecting with people and setting appointments and you see your bank account grow. So maybe it's you're sitting and you're making calls, but you're also looking at how much money you have in your bank account and it's a lot of money, and you're very happy about that. So I'm always uh, happy when I see that. You're always happy. Yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so. So you want to uh, have good feelings. Now, then you set that aside and you create another picture of what triggers the current behavior, not you doing the current behavior, but what triggers it. For Kathy, it was, you know, for coffee, it's that red Keurig, or maybe it's, you know, your beautiful deck outside, you know, and you want to go out there or, you know, it could be a dozen things, but see, this is something you have to do a little inner homework on is figure out, well, what triggers it? Like my phone, the picture of my phone is what triggers me to want to pick it up. And in fact, phones have become big triggers for sometimes inappropriate behavior. You know, you're going out to dinner with someone or a group of people and you put your phone on the table. No, You don't put your phone on the table. You put your phone away. You want to be present. When I taught classes in person, and Mm -hmm. I may go back to that someday, but when I taught classes in person, one of the things that I said, you know, put on the board when I started classes, put your phone away. I don't want to see any phones out because people are paying a lot of money and spending time learning this. You can't, your brain, your mind, conscious mind can only take care of Seven plus or minus two chunks of awareness. But really, you can only focus on one thing at a time. And, you know, somebody will be looking at their phone saying, oh, I I can hear what you're saying. So I said, well, yeah, tell me what I just said. You know, so, yeah, we, we can only really do one thing at once. I know people like to multitask, but you don't really get to do a really good job of multitasking. Right. Um, You can't. You have to be 100 percent present to whatever you're doing so yeah the phones the phones are and I, I realize they're a necessary evil but for crying out loud i mean they've just kind of taken over and i never thought it would take over my life but you know there's some times when i literally have to physically put it away to get myself to stop looking at it it's just become a habit okay it's there so, all the time it's yeah you know it's always in front of us and if it's if we don't have it it's like oh Oh my gosh, you know, our life is going to fall apart or something. Someone's <laughs> going to die. Uh, anyway, I don't know how we ever picked people up at the airport without them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of funny. Yeah. How'd, you, how'd we do anything without it? I, I know. It's, you know, how did we get from point A to point B? It, it's pretty amazing. My husband, I mean, we've, we've been up to Iowa via the same route 
you know, for 15 years, at least twice a year, sometimes four or five times a year. And yet every time he sets that GPS and I go, why are you doing that? He goes, well, I want to check the traffic. You know, he's not a big rerouter. He'll sit in traffic. I don't understand why he has to have that phone. Anyway, okay, back to this. So Uh, you see the trigger that when you see it, you do the old behavior. So you see the trigger that triggers you in the old behavior. And you're going to have to really do a study on, well, what triggers you into doing something other than making calls? And then once you have that trigger picture, you let it fade out. All right. So now you take that big, bright picture of the current behavior, you know, seeing what you saw when it was triggered. Let's just use that red Keurig as an example. And in the lower left-hand corner of the picture, you're going to put a small dark image of you having the new behavior. So this is one of these ones where you do really fast. So when you do it really fast, that big bright trigger picture gets real small and dark. And the little small dark behavior you want to do gets big and bright and completely covers up the old picture, the old trigger. But you have to do it fast. So you get the picture of the trigger, you put that little square picture of a uh, small and dark one of what you want, and then you just go zip, and that, you know, the zip makes that little picture uh, that you want get big and bright, and that trigger picture gets small and dark. And then you open your eyes. You always open your eyes after every swish. And do that five or six times really fast, very fast, rapidly as possible. And then go back and look at what used to trigger the old behavior and notice how your feelings have changed. And you can keep zipping it like that until you can't hardly get the trigger back. Some people can't even remember the trigger. Also, that means when you're doing this, you got to close your eyes. Yes. Close your eyes. (laughs) And then once you zip and you're looking at you doing the new behavior, open your eyes. This is very important because just like in writing code, you have places in your code where you tell the code, stop, you know, like a period at the end of the sentence. You want that to be a complete thought. You want your brain to stop at the new behavior. Otherwise, it just loops back if you don't open your eyes. So each of the switches that I teach, the visual, the auditory, and the kinesthetic, all have that piece in there that once you're at the new behavior, you stop, you open your eyes, you see a blank screen, you hear the ocean waves, you feel the rain fall down on you. So in this case, you all you have to do is open your eyes. Okay. Then once you look at the trigger and you don't get that compelling, you know, pull, then you can start creating new anchors. And I mentioned those before. You know, having a place in your your house or apartment or wherever you are that's for business, where you do business. And you go, you get dressed, you go in, you sit down like you're a professional, and you start acting like a professional. You don't do laundry. You can take a lunch break. But, you know, setting yourself up with a variety of triggers or anchors will help make that behavior a lot easier because it's just a professional thing to do. Some people won't, don't even follow up with people. Well, why wouldn't you? Somebody's always already expressed an interest in what you do and you don't follow up with them. That's not professional. If you want business and you want to be professional in your business and have a business that makes money, you've got to follow up with people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know how that is. 
Anyway, okay. <laughs> that's, so that's what makes all the difference. <laughs> it does. I'm tell, it does. It does. I get people that you know email me off my website. You know, every week says, you know, are you starting classes? Are you doing this? Are you doing? I call them right back. You know, sometimes I send them an email if it's on a weekend and tell them that I'll call them. But I always follow up with them because, I mean, they've taken the time to yeah, email they're... me and ask me questions as a professional of 32 years now. Why wouldn't I do that? I mean, that's expected. You wouldn't call a doctor's office and they don't call you back. And you go, oh, well, yeah, maybe they were afraid to call me back. <laughs> you know, they, they're afraid they always to give me... call you back. They're afraid to give me my test results. No? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> anyway, okay. So that's the swish. That's the swish. All right. And uh, you can always go back and adjust those pictures over time, right? Yes, and, and absolutely. Make, make adjustments. And what else do you have in the hopper? What's new for uh, classes and schedules? Ah, good, good question. Thank you. You know, Alex, I just started that mastery in NLP class uh, earlier this month, and uh, we won't have another weekend until next month, but I am still getting into the classes, still available, and I'll help catch a person up for that first material. Remember that all of my classes are recorded in real time, and so that's part of the deal. They get the recordings. And uh, a manual, I will send the manual to them, and as long as it's in the United States or Canada. And I will certainly help them get caught up, caught up with that material. I find that over 12 months, people get caught up just naturally. They, mm-hmm. If they read the manual and listen to the recordings, especially the first weekend, is, the first weekend is so, it's very basic. It's things you already do a lot. And it's very practical and logical, so it's not really confusing to people. And uh, sometimes when you get into like Ericksonian language, which isn't way down until way down the course, I would never put somebody in because your your brain has to be used to thinking that way. I think before you get into the more advanced levels. But um, the other thing that I'm going to do is I do this program called The Art and Skill of Presenting Using NLP, and it's a 10-day class that teaches you how to use NLP in training and presentations and coaching. It allows a person to really ratchet their skills up to another level. And, you know, in the past, I've taught this over two five-day periods, you know, maybe one in May and one in August or September. So, you know, they get the first week and then they practice and then they come back. Well, I have since decided to run this year's course on five weekends. So it'll be one weekend a month instead of the five days. And I think people have just, you know, after being held down under a thumb for a year, they're just going and blowing. And they don't want to take the time off. Or when they do take the time off, they, they want to go to a beach. And I, <laughs> I guess I could have my course in Corpus Christi, but uh, most people don't think of that as a hot, hot beach place. But <laughs> So I'm going to do it on five days. So the um, prerequisites to that class are you have to have a master's you know, certification or a master's course through the master's level, because there's a lot of things that I expect people to know when they go into that and then be able to take their skill to the next level. So that's that's one of the things that I'm doing. I'm very excited about it. 
doing it that way. And already I've got um, four or five people. It won't be a big course. The thing of it is for people who listen in Dallas, that class can also be, uh, I think I'm going to do it also as a um, in-person. Last year I did in-person and or you could do it remotely. So we have some in people, in-person people now in this class. And then we also have, I have someone in Colorado that's going to take it. We call them bot. You know, we set up a laptop for them and they only have their own laptop and we carry them around and do exercises with them and that sort of thing. When they do their presentation, we put them up on a high chair in front of the room and they do it, you know, from their laptop, from the laptop. It works really well. We did it last time. It was perfect. And, um, I don't know. We just have to get so creative, don't we, Alex? <laughs> with, with the change of paradigms that we're going through. Yeah. So well, that's do, what's coming up. Yeah. And then how do people reach you? Oh, thank you. You can always call me. Of course, you can always go to the website, email me or at susan at nlptrainingconcepts.com. Or you can call me the numbers on the website if, you know, in your the continental United States. Usually that's how you get a hold of me is through email and or just pick up the phone. The website phone number, however, is not a text number. So do not text me on that because I won't get it. But there's also a way that you can fill out a little contact sheet. If you're feeling scared about calling Susan, you can do the Swish program and then you won't be scared anymore. (laughs) That's right. I'm actually very nice to talk to you on the phone. (laughs) And I, I will spend time with someone if they're interested and they have a lot of questions or they just want to get a feel for me. I have no problem with that. And I think it's important. I think it's important that you feel comfortable with someone that you're taking training from. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, we'll catch everybody next time on the Brain Language Podcast. All right. Thanks, Alex. Have, have a good couple of weeks. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Bye-bye. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Brain Language Podcast. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes or your favorite listening platform to keep up with our newest episode. Be sure to visit our website, www.nlptrainingconcepts.com, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter by searching NLP Training Concepts to keep up with free resources, upcoming training, and fantastic content. Thank you for joining us and taking our minds to the next level. We'll see you next time.